0: Hi, I'm Sheryl and front. Hello, this is Christabel.
1: Hello, this is Michael Horse.
0: Do you enjoy listening to Twin Peaks Unwrapped, the podcast? Have you picked up our book yet? Twin Peaks Unwrapped, the book. That has over 100 cast and crew who have contributed to this book. And it's, I think people really love it. I mean, we also have community commentary where a lot of the community have participated in this. It's just a great book. We recommend you pick it up at BlueRoseMag.com.
2: Thank you for your interest and for your enthusiasm.
0: And, and keeping Twin Peaks alive. I
2: got a dear
1: man. I'll take you
0: Welcome to Twin Peaks Unwrapped. I'm your host, Ben Durant, and beside me is
1: Brian Gazaska.
0: Hi, Brian. Hey Ben, how's it going? It's going good. How's the how's the holiday for you? Oh, it went by
1: way too fast, as always. It does.
0: Uh, it we take by. a few weeks off. We do, you know, we have family and Christmas and mm, all that stuff, yeah. and it just Goes by too
1: fast. It went we'll by so quick, and all those shows. I'm hoping everybody enjoyed them. I'm sure. Yeah, we, we finished had...
0: up on the air, and that was pretty cool. We got through uh, seven episodes. We got Ian Buchanan on. I think that was pretty cool that to was have a big him. Treat. On. That was a real good treat. So yeah, and then the, to end this the year off, <laughs> we had our best of our best of. With Scott Ryan, I mean, like, he, he did a great job. You did a great job. We had all so many community people that pitched in for that show. I mean, it's so much fun.
1: Yeah, and, and the funny thing is, believe it or not, you know, Scott, he's texting me over the holiday saying he has ideas for next best of. <laughs> We
0: got a year away, and he's already thinking about that. And this
1: is the first time ever where he had the idea. Right, Like, I got that idea because of his book Yep, and his love for Letterman. It's interesting. Also, if you're a fan of Scott Ryan and the Red Room podcast, and you see his book in Barnes & Noble like I did, please, on social media, you should post it, the fact that you saw Scott Ryan's Letterman book. But what I did, I took the Letterman book, and I put it – In the, like, big display with all the books, (laughs) and I put it up there in the, like, TV and movie thing so everybody could see it. It was right around Christmas time. You
0: rearranged the book. You're just going to random
1: bookstores and rearranging their books. I'm putting his book on display like it should be. Yes. I highly recommend if you go to Barnes & Noble and you see his Letterman book, take it display it and take a photo and you should send it to Scott on social media
0: you know talking about books uh, for Christmas I got uh, Brad Dukes new book the China Beach book and I got season one of China Beach on DVD I haven't had a chance to check it out I'll probably do that this week Brad Dukes did a great job with the Reflection Twin Peaks book he's been working on this for a few years I can't wait to check out the China Beach book that he did he got a lot of interviews with the cast and oh, crew yeah. and
1: it's, it, it'll be great to see yeah I mean like man it, I knew nothing about China Beach, but the book sounds very interesting. Yeah. And he was actually on the Red Room podcast talking about the, with Scott Ryan. And right. If anybody's interested in that interview, I highly recommend I it. I thought it was really good. That, yeah. yeah.
0: It was so good. Any Twin Peaks stuff you get for a Christmas?
1: I got the Twin Peaks calendar. Ah, the calendar. I got a calendar, too. <laughs> I know. It's <laughs> funny how we did that. <laughs> 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 to a part of ourselves there? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm that like... I hope Ben's not like getting the Twin Peaks calendar, because I got it for him. And <laughs> then, it it's
0: to become our tradition or something. I do that for my wife. I get her a calendar every year. Yeah, every year I do Shutterfly. I do actually cheat, though. She makes her own albums, and I just take <laughs> her album photos, and I make it into calendars. Uh, so she does all the work, and I then steal it. And, but she still appreciates having the calendar. Yeah,
1: that's awesome. Yeah.
0: So we got a great show today. We have Harley Payton on. Ooh. You know, he was the writer-producer for Twin Peaks. He did Channel Zero, and now he's part of a new show show project blue book our nation is suffering
2: from a form of mass hysteria right now of the world's all over again
1: you want me to investigate flying saucers
2: i want you to help me prove to the public the truth they don't exist you think we can trust him
0: the captain seems to think so and they're watching us we just witnessed an alien invasion get away from the car logic can't begin to explain what we're dealing with
2: project blue book January 8th on History.
0: I just got to watch Project Blue Book last night. It's wonderful. I love it. It's really cool. Oh, awesome. It's got kind of an X-Files feel. I really dig it.
2: Look, it's like any first season of a television show. There's sort of a shakedown cruise as you sort of figure out what the show is or the show figures out what it is. And, you know, I think at the beginning we knew that obviously there's an X-Files component. There's also a sort of Mad Men component with the mm, 50s stuff yeah. and what, it's, what that world. And then there's also a kind of Americans component, which is really more about the Cold War, Russia, Red Scare stuff, in oh. which, we de- which, which we delve into much more deeply along the way. Originally we were playing with a mo- almost a 33, 33, 33% look at those three elements. You know, Then we realized, no, 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 we have to service these cases because these are all these real cases that happened. And then start to back our way carefully into the russian spies and all the stuff that's coming which is really fucking fun for me as a writer yeah it was great it was really fun to do and and actually there were some reshoots done some of the things last night i saw for the first time and really liked a lot again it's the, char- the actors have to find their characters and the writers have to find the kind of stories but i was really happy with the way we worked through it and also with the way that i think it continues to get better throughout the first season which is really exciting given that it starts at a pretty good
0: place it's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And I was going to ask you, which you already said, it, is it based on the real Project Blue Book cases? And so you're saying it is. And like, I don't even know, where do you find this? Well, I'll tell you, it's interesting. I mean, there are two things. One, I mean, both
2: Heineck and, and Rappel, right, the two partners, both sort of became believers over time. And they both wrote books. Oh. Um, and Heineck's book, in fact, which is like, you know, our holy grail text. In fact, his son was one of our technical advisors. Heineck's book just listed the cases or maybe it was repel, but it was case by case. The wow. case of the love of lights, the case of, you know, and so we literally had these up on a wall and, you know, got to pick and choose between the cases we most wanted to do while creating a lot of other story along the way. But yeah, the cases are all real. In fact, I went up. Uh, back home for Christmas just for about a week and uh, a woman that I went to high school with said oh you won't believe this bud. but my mother was really crazy about this stuff and she you know she was subscribed to all these newspapers I like, can give you copies and she sent me these hilarious mm-hmm. newspapers that were written in the late 50s that was sort of like UFO daily wow. and it was all these, and, and which I think we'll be using for the second season should there be one, and there was a lot of really cool stuff in there, and the real funny part was that it was edited by this guy named Donald Keogh, who was in fact a character in an episode that I wrote, because he was a famous UFOologist of the day, and really one of the first ones to gain fame as someone who was writing about this stuff. So yeah, the stories, they come from all over the place. I mean, you know, the trick is obviously, it unlike X Files, it's a UFO every week. You know, we're not doing monsters one week, or I mean, you know, you really have to figure out a way to find the different kinds of cases and different environments and different impacts. You know, why you're trying to introduce, uh, like everyone does these days, a long arc story, which we do, and I think pretty successfully. Um, yeah, and even the Majestic 12, those you know, generals, that's all true. Oh, right, all of that wow. stuff. I mean, all of those major points are all, you know, who the two guys were, you know, the professor and the ex flyboy all that stuff is, you know, that's all true. And obviously there was plenty of room for us to kind of make stuff up along the way. But, um, yeah, that, that was, it was really exciting to have those kind of details sitting on your desk just to go through.
0: Yeah, you originally from Spokane, Washington, and this episode, some of it takes place in Spokane, Washington. I said, oh, well, that's kind of interesting. And, <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I was just wondering, like, from your own experience, did you see any UFOs, or do you, was that, was no, that tragically physically? I didn't no. I mean it
2: is interesting because when you're working on a show like this you, you immediately learn which of your friends has had a, a UFO experience uh, um, I feel like David O'Leary who created it did but I, ha- I sadly have not had a UFO experience I certainly would love to um, but yeah the Spokane thing was sort of funny I don't remember how that got in there that may have just been me or, or Sean Jablonski the showrunner kind of adding in my hometown for fun yeah. that, and that whole world is really interesting and we get deeper into the Red Scare stuff later because that was a real thing. In other words, when people start talking about seeing these mysterious crafts hmm. in the sky, there was an assumption that, oh man, are the Russians testing stuff here? Yeah. Or, and the Russians and the Russians are thinking, are they testing stuff there? Huh. And So you get to play with that stuff too, which we get into pretty deeply as we go, uh, to, you know, go farther into the season.
0: For the past couple of years, you've been really heavily into Channel Zero, and how did you get involved with this project i was doing channel zero and then
2: it was it's one of those shows where we would do 12 episodes and then they would shoot all 12 and that would really comprise two seasons of the show right because we did six episode stories yeah and we had just finished one of those stories and and you know we're they were now going to go off and shoot it and then we never did simultaneous production so that always meant there was a very long break between the end of your writer's work and when the room might start opening again and you know quite frankly I was sitting around and pretty much said I gotta do something right (laughs) and I I didn't even know if channel zero was coming back and and in fact I had finished work on what was to be I think the last season so I was pretty much done and uh, you know it's one of those things your agent called you up and uh, Sean Jablonski who came in uh, to be the showrunner with David O'Leary who created it I actually knew Sean kind of socially it was one of those kind of acquaintance things we're dads at the same school Sure. Um, and you know, I talked to them and we got along really great and I just dived in. I mean, I you know, it was something that because I loved the arena and I knew it was gonna be really fun, it it would be a different you know a different sort of show than because I've been in the depths of kind of you know body horror and God knows what else for three years so I like the idea of doing this because I like the period aspect of it in particular because even today with all the shows that do it you still do run into studio or network objections about both the cost of um, of doing period and even will the audience follow it or whatever I mean I've never really believed any of that but you mm-hmm. still hear those objections so just to hear that history was really you know committed to that and going to spend the money to do it, Um, that was very exciting. And uh, and they've been great that way. They really got it, and you know we we work together very well with them. So that was really fun. The, the kind of period aspect of it, I love that period. I was probably the only one on the staff who was close to knowing what the fifties looked like. So huh. it was <laughs> one advantage one advantage of my advanced age, you yeah, know. So that was kind of cool too.
0: David Bushman uh, from the Paley Center recently interviewed David O'Leary, uh, the creator of uh, Project Blue Book. Oh, cool. And he says about you, he says, uh, you know, Harley had a wonderful sample. He loved what he had to say about the project, and we hired him based on the great work and great ideas. Can you elaborate about that? What is this wonderful sample he speaks
2: of? Oh, uh, the wonderful sample is one of – you always have those scripts that are great regrets. I have a pilot that's called Uninvited Guests, huh. um, which is about a man with dissociative identity disorder or more – you know, multiple personalities. And it's, it's one of those things – this was a long time ago. And I had this idea, and I'm, I'm not one who usually has what I consider to be commercial ideas. And I thought – oh my God, this is actually pretty commercial. Hmm. And it was an hour drama that I sold to AMC. They were very high on it and we were diving in and I had this whole whole story. It was basically about a guy who would, Recovered from having dissociative identity disorder. And when his sister is suddenly killed the pilot, it, it starts to come back. You know, it's one of those great moments where he gets up in the morning and there's two toothbrushes and a poop on the sink instead of one. And you start to get into what it's like. And I did a ton of research and it was fascinating. And I learned that one of the, you know, these people keep diaries for their various alts next to their bed almost. And it becomes like a series of clues as to what you did during the 24 hours that you don't remember. Huh. And, a Another guy would do a kind of memory palace thing where you would go into his head and have all of his personality sitting on beach chairs kind of talking to each other discussing things, which I actually visualized with the same actor. So it was really into it. It was really fun and I was very excited about it. And then all of a sudden I'm walking home or driving home and stop off at a bookstore and there on the front page of Variety is, you know, Steven Spielberg has first idea for TV show in 20 years. And it was <laughs> Diablo Cody's uh, multiple um, personality show. Ah. So, I mean, for me it was more – It was a half hour and it was more vaudeville and it was like You know, he puts on funny hats, or she would put on funny hats, Tony Collette, with the different personalities, which is sort of not what really happens. Um, But it was really fun. And so that sample is something I've had for years, and they obviously, they never made it for that reason. But yeah, it's got me a few jobs, including this one. So that's the secret, the secret script.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. I thought you were gonna gonna have like a whole uh, uh, Project Blue Book (laughs) research that you to laid out or something like that. No,
2: that'd have been great. No, I had had not ever done that. I mean, I was well aware but, and even though it's it's something that i had to kind of think about because i sort of forgot but then i realized that it's briggs and the whole project blue book thing i mean are you familiar with
1: project blue book yes sir i am the air force investigation into the phenomena of unidentified flying objects officially disbanded
2: in 1969 but there are those of us who continue in an unofficial capacity examining the heavens as before in the case of
1: twin peaks the earth below we are searching for a place called the white lot
2: that yeah. was part of the mythos that, you know, that Mark Frost has been fascinated with for years. And part of that was kind of woven into the, the fabric of uh, that season of Flint Peaks as well. It's funny, it had been long enough that I didn't even think about it at first. And then I went, oh, shit, of course, because I read Mark's book and the second book. And then I started getting into the Project Blue Book stuff. and going, oh, my God, well, there's a connection.
0: Yeah, and, and it's funny because episode twenty and episode twenty-seven of Twin Peaks, Briggs kind of goes in a little bit of Project Blue Book and his involvement, yeah. and then it, and, and how it relates to the town. And you wrote both those episodes, so it's like, oh, is yep. this yeah. is is this Mark Frost or is <laughs> it, or is this Harley? Yeah, totally.
2: Like, where is this coming from? It was yes, it was definitely that's Mark stuff. Although I obviously took it and ran with it, but yeah, that's something that that Mark was always fascinated. And and I knew about it, certainly, at the time, but hadn't done a lot of thinking about it. But yeah, so then we put it in there because it really did seem to fit. But yeah, it's funny. i, I completely forgotten about that one. Actually, now I ended up working on, you know, the actual Blue Book show.
0: Yeah, isn't that it's cool? That's really cool. Yeah. And in the yeah. new series, in the new Twin Peaks, Lou Rose Task Force is kind of branched off from the original exactly. Project Blue Book. In 1970, the United States Air Force shut down Project Blue Book their 20-year investigation into UFOs. They concluded that no credible evidence existed and therefore they posed no threat to national security. In other words, a massive cover-up. A few years later, the military and FBI formed a top secret task force to explore the troubling abstractions raised by cases Blue Book failed to resolve. We called it the Blue Rose after a phrase uttered by a woman in one of these cases just before she died.
2: And the whole history of Blue Book, actually, there was – it's very interesting. There was a group that predated Project Blue Book and then Blue Book became the second iteration of it. And the Majestic Twelve were kind of watching it along the way and there's Harry Truman. and I mean there's all these stories about it. What happened and how those files sealed and the stuff that they're not telling anyone. But yeah, this was the second thing. And look, the whole idea, which is one of the dynamic tensions in the show, is their job was to kind of find real world answers for impossibility. And you know what that tension was when they realized it's it's, it's certainly not that. Then we realized we had to commit pretty early to them real because they'd be stupid not to understand that you know there's something else going on here than we really under they would really get. So that was part
0: of the fun of doing the show. And this is on the History Channel, which I didn't even know the History Channel did a lot of dramas. I mean that was yeah. well,
2: exactly it's yeah. and they are as as my my preliminary notes that I was given cuz they give you talking points none of which I've used by the way. But the most important talking point is they're now called History and not the History Channel. Ah. Um, and at History I think they've had three series so far. They had their first series that they did was one called Vikings, which is very successful. For mm-hmm. them. So I knew nothing about it, and, and nor did I know how good the ratings were. I mean, they get a lot of viewers for those shows, like close to three million. Wow! So oddly enough, I spent all this time in sci-fi, and so I'm used to a certain number for television shows. But you know, it's like you have know, Lifetime and how many people watch that network? You just they're, they're not networks I watch, yeah. so I'm, I have no idea about how popular they are. But they're quite popular. And, and history is one of them. So they did Vikings. They had a SEAL Team 6 show that Walt Goggins was in. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. The one about the next Templar, which is the fourth show that they've done as they try to, you know, they've got a lot of those documentaries, but now they're trying to get more and more into, you know, history shows. And this, I mean, listen, David. Sort of won the lottery with us. I mean, he specced it, put it together, and really, it's you know, it's the perfect show for them. Um, and they went straight to series. They didn't even make a play out. They just went, yeah, this is going to work for us. And, and I think that support was part of what
0: helped us along the way.
1: Nice, yeah. Ten episode.
0: Am I right? There's like about six writers that are involved with this show. Yeah, there's, I'm trying to think, I mean, there was Sean Chablonski who was a
2: showrunner, there's David, there's myself, there's a woman named Emily Broshan who was the youngest writer on the show, and then there's a woman named Tanya St. John who I just was happy to work with because she has a crowd on Buffy, so for me that's awesome. Nice. Um, I think she may have even worked on Oswell. So yeah, Thalia is a very experienced writer and she was great. So it was, it was a small room. I mean that's something that I'm starting to see more and more um, in Hollywood. I was actually arguing with someone on Twitter about it who was saying, <laughs> you know, there's so many shows out there. There's no excuse for anyone not to have a job. And I said, yeah, except that the writer's rooms are really half the size now that they were then. I mean when I worked on Dominion, we had probably 12 writers. Oh, wow, and you know, on this show we have five or maybe six. So yeah, it's it, it's a small room, but you know there are advantages to that. You don't have quite the hive mind that you do with the bigger room, but you've got some really good people, and everyone's kind of pulling their own weight. And you know, it helped us to get through all of those episodes. I mean, it only gets complicated when everyone's writing scripts, and like you know, trying to pull it together and then is a little harder because you're starting to get kind of light on staff. But it was a good room. I looking forward to a second season. Should we get one?
0: And how do you break down, like, the show? Like, do you have a, a writer's room and then at some point do you say, okay, you're going to do this episode, you're going to do this episode, or does every week you guys all kind of work on the show together? When
2: we walked into the room for the first time, um, although it did change a little bit along the way, uh, David O'Leary and Sean Jablonski had actually together, because they had to sell it to history um, and uh, to A&E and then to history, was they had the entire season worked out. Wow. So in other words, on the wall, there were the 10 cases right and then every and on the wall it would be what the case was and then what the personal stories were right uh, what the 50s story was the Mad Men mm. story or what the espionage story was so that stuff was all pretty well worked out we then sort of divvied up who was gonna write what episodes and we knew that going in but the process is really everybody works on the breaking of every particular episode and then at one point you go off and write your episode once you have an outline that everyone's satisfied with. but we all mm. work together on each episode and you know kind of deal with the various changes. You end up pushing things from one to the next and you know, that's all part of it. But yeah, it was an active writer's room up, up until the point we all started writing. And then you maybe take a break and then you come back in and then break the bottoms, the back six or something or the back five, I guess we did. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's how that works. And it worked pretty well. And again, we had a great template because um, Sean and David had done so much work. I think they were working for almost two months prior to the removal
0: And I'm glad you brought up the, the personal angle to this because watching the pilot, it was like, okay, where is this gonna go? go? Is it going to be case, 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 history, yeah. history? And it's nice to hear that there's, you know, you're going to get maybe some of the family or, or other things that are happening and I, I'm intrigued <laughs> to see where that goes as the show continues.
2: Yeah, I mean, there was always, there's always a tension between Sort of, you know, network and writers on that because I think then the network wants, okay, we really want to do a case of the week. Mm-hmm. And there's actually something retrograde about that that I like because nobody does that anymore. So it's almost become kind of original at this point to do it. it's a funny story. Yeah. yeah, it's really weird, but I really like it. And also, by the way, it's just a, not a coincidence, I suppose, but kind of a tangent. In Europe, that's all they want. All the television buyers for all those European networks all want closed in stories. So, you know, that was sort of cool. And so I like, and we had a natural way of doing it because they're all based on real cases. Look, in a second season, we might go away from that a little bit, but you'll see. But you're right. Once we get, as we move into it, and some of the stuff we pushed a little bit, but the, the personal stories, particularly with Hynek's wife and this woman she meets, mm. you know, all the stuff that's going on. And then the, and the espionage stuff, it's all there and it's really fun. And, and I think you need it. You know, you can't just do the cases yeah. because you want to get a sense of what that world is like. And, you know, even the episode about, you know, the building of a bomb shelter, right? It's like you get those 50s tropes and the bomb shelter stuff, which is actually an episode that I wrote, is really, really fun. And there is a sort of Smoking Man character maybe that we hmm. might see later. I mean, there's, you know, it's, we, I think we hit a lot of the right marks. And, and again, I, I really liked where it all ended up, I think it's gonna it's um look if we in fact i'm sure they're finding out what the numbers were last night right now i mean the hope is they're they're sufficient that we'll get a second season i certainly hope that we do i think we will
1: as of today I, we noticed that on the history put the first episode up on youtube for everyone to see <laughs> oh, for they, free right? they did oh cool in the comment section which you know could go either way is very very positive i mean oh, that's be, good. very like i kept scrolling Didn't see one. Everybody was like, I hope they put every episode up. (laughs) And then people are like, this is great. We love it. You know, like, and that's awesome. Yeah. And they just did that today. Uh, So anybody who doesn't have history, the history channel can at least watch the first episode. Yeah.
2: No, that's tremendous. And and by the way, they've been really good with their promotion of this show. They bought a lot of television ads, which not everybody does. Um, I mean, there was a TD ad for the show in the middle of the national championship game, the football game. So they really went out of their way to sort of make it happen. And while it doesn't really matter that much, they did have the best premiere party I've ever been to. So (laughs) they literally, they found like a 50s house and they had a 50s band and all sorts of cool stuff. They were really, they really treated this show well. And you don't always feel that way as a writer and you understand why i mean it's about yeah. money obviously but they did great promotion and that youtube thing is part of it they've been really smart and look i'm glad to hear that you know you always want people to like what you do yeah. but look you know the reaction to the show will be what it is and i don't i don't read reviews, so i i, I'm, I don't really know in a more in a larger way about that, but what I do know is that this is a real classic sort of television show. It's not trying to be part of of the new hipster TV, which God knows I've been a part of both a long time ago and more recently. And so it's not that kind of show. But I really enjoyed working on a show like this that had those kind of trad values, and it was just it was a good challenge for all of us, I think, who worked on it. And so I think that's that was one of the things we really wanted to hit as we went through it.
0: Yeah, and yeah. I must say I I love the acting. And I love the cinematography and the style of it. And, you know, there's, there's in the pilot, there's an amusement park, and just the atmosphere is just. It just it looks great. I mean, it, it just the yeah. style of the show is really impressive.
2: I got to say, I was really impressed too, and particularly with the special effects. The people up in Vancouver who did this stuff—they did a really great job, and they were really on it. And all the stuff that we—and again, all the stuff we needed—we got. Well, we had the budget to do it, and period is not cheap. And they did the period stuff really, really well. And you know, as you say, like things like an amusement park and the things that you want to hit to kind of to give a sense of what that world is like. You know, that's a really important part of the show and i thought the cast was just great um you know it's like aiden and uh, michael mark he did such great work and 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 also you you know it's one of those things where a season you can see that partnership grow along the way which is sort of cool because they're strangers when they meet as characters yeah so i thought that really worked well for us and Laura as uh, his wife who's actually also um a man in the high castle she was great too so it. That was really fun. It was nice to see all those people. They did great work up there in Vancouver. And, uh, and I, I thought that was handled really nicely. It was really
0: fun to see. Awesome. Is there anything? Is there anything else you want to share with us? I don't know. I mean, it's I haven't heard anything more about Channel Zero. I don't know if they uh, are continuing right now or where we are with that. Or Channel Zero is, you know, they fold it to Shudder. So Shudder is, you know, the horror channel, and they played all the episodes. Yeah. You know, I think there's.
2: I think there's a hope that they will do another season, but I haven't heard. I mean it's certainly not happening yet, which is too bad. I mean the most recent season was tremendous and it's certainly one of the best reviewed shows I've ever worked on. I mean, everybody loved that show. Oh yeah. And Nick Antoska did such great work and I know he loved to do another season, so you know, fingers crossed sort of but but yeah, that's I'm you know, right now I'm hoping that uh, Blue Book will come back, and it could come back pretty quickly if the ratings are what they need to see, hmm. and then I'll be, you know, back in the world of UFOs.
0: That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have, Yeah, I have high hopes. I mean, it literally looks great. I mean, you guys, I think, did everything right, so uh, I just yeah. hoping that. Oh, thank you. Hey.
1: Thank you, Harley, for being on today's show. It's always great to have you on, and, you know— I hope we get to have him on a couple more times in 2019. He's very insightful. Oh, yeah. He's, oh, he's got something interesting going on.
0: Yeah, he really does. I really think he's a great guy, really interesting. Uh, yeah, I hope he can come on again.
1: Like I said during the interview, if you don't have the History Channel or you missed it and you can't DVR that first episode, go to YouTube History, which now we learned it's not called the History Channel, History, which is weird to say. Um, and the first episode's up there. Yeah. So check it out. Definitely. And, I mean, if you got YouTube on your TV, you can watch it on your big screen yeah. TV.
0: And I'm really intrigued with Project Blue Book. I mean, I was intrigued with it because of the Twin Peaks aspect of it. But it's also just a fascinating thing to say, hey, there was a real-life kind of like X-Files happening where mm. there were people kind of going in trying to figure out these cases that had to do with UFOs. And I really liked the first episode. and I would, I would highly recommend checking it out.
1: Now – Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't they recently just open up the alien <clears throat> UFO cases to the public? I don't know. Not yeah. that long ago? Maybe. They released a lot of these files.
0: Well, then I guess they'll have more material for season two now, right? I, I know, either. right?
1: <laughs> well, if they come out of the 50s, um, but, or they can look at those files that were released to see. I mean, I think a lot of it was like aircrafts yeah. seeing things The aren't, you know, the military or something, seeing something in the sky. Yeah. A lot of the stuff was like in classified information. Um, have you ever seen a UFO, Ben? I've never
0: seen a UFO. I've seen I've seen a lot of things in the sky. <laughs> I guess you could say they're unidentified flying objects. If you objects, don't know what it is, that's what a I,
1: UFO is. Yes, that's true. So, yeah.
0: I mean, is it a, sometimes you think it's a star, or is it a plane, or is it something, but you realize, like, what am I... I don't know what I'm looking at. But So, I,
1: I have. You have? I have.
0: <laughs> I have. What,
1: tell me about this. Now, I am... In the X-Files world, I would be more like Mulder. I You're a believer. Uh, I'm a believer and ghosts. You want to and all believe that. at least. Yeah. yeah, and you know, I've had things happen. I can't be your skeptic cuz I'm more of a believer. I know too. we're both a believer. <laughs> so growing up, my my mom's a big skeptic. Uh, she doesn't believe in that kind of stuff really. Um so I worked at McDonald's as a teenager and she was picking me up and we're coming home and it's a cl- it's a summer summer afternoon. It is, it's like 7, 8 o'clock at night, so it's kind of getting a little dark, um, but still light outside, a little cloudy, and we're driving down, and I see a light in the sky, and I'm just staring off, as a teenager does, into the sky, daydreaming, and I see a light, and I'm thinking, it's a plane or a helicopter, right? Sure. It's a typical light in the sky, it's got to be an aircraft. No, this is Connecticut, right? You're in Connecticut. We're in Connecticut. Yes. And, um... <laughs> So it starts coming down, and it starts zigzagging, like zigzagging. And I said, Mom, that light is zigzagging. Do you know what that is? And she was just like, I've never seen anything like And it's zigzagging, and then it would stop. And I would not believe it if I didn't have my mom in the car who – who was a skeptic yep. and was just like we need to follow this wow so we drove past our house into summers connecticut we were in, in enfield in the summers on the border of massachusetts um we, we we drive into summers and we're following this light and this light is moving very erratic it's like hmm. stopping zigzagging moving in different directions on a dot and my mom who would just say that's horse malarkey is like we need to find where this is coming from right. so we drive as far as we can into summers we get into a dead end we're kind of go to where this light is i remember we got into this dirt road dead end we stopped we got out of the car and we watched it disappear hmm. like we were like kind of like on a big hill we watch it go behind the tree line and we got home we told my dad or, like, we saw this light moving in a sporadic kind of way. We don't know what it was. It was a UFO. My dad's like, you know, it was, we didn't have a computer or anything. So there's no way of looking it up. There's no yeah. way of, like, finding if there was a anything going on. So that's the closest I ever saw to a UFO. I wow. mean, we couldn't identify it. I don't know what would cause that. Could have been a helicopter. I don't know.
0: Yeah, and these. So I believe that some of these Project Blue Book cases were in Massachusetts and Connecticut. So that makes perfect you, sense. You, funny, you, know, I, I, you always think of the, like the Northwestern Oregon or, or or Washington. You hear about these cases and stuff, they're like right that. Here. but they're they're everywhere. Yeah, they're everywhere. Yeah, and you know, for the, the the actual Project Blue Book lasted for about twenty years, so they mm. have. The wow. show has has a long time; they can go on. They could go on for you know decades now if they wanted to. Yeah. It's kind of cool to, that they have so much out there.
1: And you know, I, I think there's an appetite for this kind of show. We have our grievances about the last two seasons of X Files, but I think this show could possibly recapture that magic. Yeah. And do something different at the same time, uh, wetting the appetite of people who missed the X Files and want something different. I think the show could really uh, take off.
0: And you brought up X-Files, so I I still get so mad that they had the whole uh, a- alien conspiracy and then they just drop it and be like, eh, the alien side, they didn't want to come in 2012 or whatever. Like They just kind of like threw it away and th- then they kind of like, oh, there was a saucer on the bridge and then the next season it was all a dream. It was all the and government
1: like, who were doing it the right, whole time. Right, and it's kind of
0: like, I don't know, it kind of fell apart. And like some people would say it fell apart in season six or yes. something like that. But for me, I was happy with it up until... These last two seasons. And then it was kind of like, oh, you really don't have a story to tell. You, there's no. nothing to share
1: with I them. think a lot of people were disappointed overall by the last yeah. two seasons. It, it was it was fun that it came back for nostalgia's sake. Yes. It had some great episodes. It did
0: have some good episodes. But
1: the mythology itself just sucked. Yeah. It just sucked. It wasn't right. that great. I mean, could have been better.
0: Right. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, for people who like who loved X-Files, I feel like this is right up their alley. Yeah, they really definitely. Take this, I, show. this
1: is like taking that torch. And we don't have a show on TV like that right now.
0: No. We
1: don't. We have a lot of dramas and a lot of, like, comedies, but you don't have anything UFO-related, really.
0: No, not that, that kind of, I can think of. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a... Yeah, I'm trying to think. There's, <laughs> there's, there's going to be a Roswell, Mexico, but I feel like that's a love story, like a teeny uh, teenager show. Or oh, something I like never that. Even heard of it. Yeah, but... they r- they used to be a Roswell oh, show. Oh yeah, back Roswell. Then. Yeah. But now yeah. it's got, it's being called Roswell, Mexico. So I think it's like a reinterpretation of the original series or something like that. But that's not really this. I mean, yeah, that's
1: that's like a dr- a kid drop, teenage yeah, drama, teenage right. drama show. I think so. Yeah. Oh, okay.
0: Well, that's our show oh. this week. We're back... We're, we're back in the swing of things. I think we're, we're trying to focus more on Twin Peaks, I think, soon. We're going to yeah. be getting into... Uh, we're, we're hoping to get together with some people in 25 years later and, and talk with them soon. Of course, JC, we, we'll probably have a live show with her again soon.
1: Yeah, very soon, and we have a lot of ideas for 2019. And
0: maybe if I ever get my act together, we'll, we'll, do, the, uh, <laughs> we'll do the Community Rewatch series again. I know it's been months and months and months. It has. I will try to sit down and get things together. It's not it's really me
1: <laughs> there, just, you've heard it here folks you've heard of me it's yeah. all
0: about me getting things together for the cast and stuff it's a lot of work it's fun I have yeah. fun with it I just something is holding me back I don't know but
1: <laughs> you'll figure it, out. I'll figure it out it's a blue book case yes <laughs> while you're waiting for our next show give us an email at TwinPeaksUnwrapped at gmail.com also like us on Facebook at TwinPeaksUnwrapped we're on Twitter TwinPeaksUnwrap also like us, subscribe to our YouTube channel, also on iTunes, that five-star review and a nice little comment goes a long way. Um, we're on Google Play, we're on Stitcher, and we're on Spotify. Also, if you want to support the podcast to keep the lights on, every bit helps. T public, the link is in the show notes. You can buy a shirt, you can buy a phone case, you can buy a mug with our logo on it, and a portion of that will help us pay. To keep the lights on for the next year. So we appreciate everybody who has and everybody who will.
0: Thank you.